and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. It is Wednesday, June 13th. I am Connor O'Gara. He is Chris Marler. Chris, I'm going to have to revoke your status as a millennial. I'm, this is unbelievable. It's a tough start. It's always something. This so, is a tough start for me. So a little peek behind the curtain before we get started today. We've got Peel a, back a that onion, show. Connor. Peel that onion. Peek behind that onion. So Chris, before, yeah, I'm going to call you Chris because I feel like what, the word What else Marler, did you call me? Oh. <laughs> well, I feel like I have to like get serious for this because just saying Marler isn't good enough. Yeah. Because that's like, oh, silly old Marler. So Chris, <laughs> Chris, before we're about to record this, uh, text me. We record this at two o'clock on, on Tuesdays. Yes. And so Chris texts me, hey, uh, my girlfriend has my only pair of headphones. Got to go run to Publix and get another pair. What human in the 21st century has one pair of no, headphones? No, we have like 17 pairs of headphones. They're all the new like flat, what do you call it, male part piece that goes into your iPhone. So I, I'm recording on a MacBook Air from sick brag. Yeah, no big deal, guys. We can talk about it, and it's from I don't know, like three, four years ago. So it does, these ear, these headphones suck. Yeah, but they like they don't have the same kind of component or something. I don't know. I'm so, very angry. We just moved in together, so stuff's all over the place. So we say this as you also needed to print out preseason. You needed to go get your preseason magazine, your print yeah. copy, and your. Yeah. Your hand printed notes. I say hand printed because yeah, yeah, it's right not there. a real thing there, Connor. Hand printed. Yeah. You are not a millennial anymore. I, hate I don't want to be. Your status as a millennial died on June twelfth, twenty eighteen. Is this because of the bags under my eyes? Yeah, that too. But we will move on from that. We will try. We will try and be good millennials, or at least one of us will be, and That's record fair. this podcast. We have. Uh, it is June, but we do have some news in the SEC. And one of the things that I knew you of all people, I'll go back to calling you Marler. Yeah. Would enjoy is that the SEC could be moving to Vegas. Whoop, what? Whoop. What? We're talking about bowl games here, of course. Brett McMurphy, I think you just call him College Football Insider. He was unfortunately laid off at ESPN, but he's right. like still reporting college news, which is. Pretty, college football news, which he is pretty awesome. He has that he does such that. an unfortunate name because he's so close to Britt McMurphy, and she's uh, the one that like yeah. went off on that parking attendant and was like, "This is why I make more money than you." And then she yeah, still Brett has McMurphy, a job. She's pretty, which is cool. I aim for that one day. Brett McMurphy, different kind of follow. Yeah, on Twitter, but he reported that the SEC wants to take the Mountain West spot in the Vegas Bowl beginning in 2020, which would be like. That would be pretty pretty epic for those six and six teams that are just yeah. trying to get to a bowl. And you can I go would to Vegas. love for I would almost love for Bama to be average to below average again if it means I get a trip to Vegas. I mean, think about this: if you're a six and six team, you've got some options. Now, the SEC usually ends up going to go to like a Texas Bowl, or you know, maybe you throw in the occasional like what, like Boca Raton Bowl or something. No, no is that just no the Lane Kiffin Bowl? <laughs> That's just Lane Kiffin. That's, That's just Florida Lane Atlantic, Kiffin and I forgot who they played last year, but it was like pretty bad. And then because they were like a thirty-five point favorite in that game, I think no, they were like a twenty-something. Anyway, regardless, you have Shreveport, you have Memphis, it used to be for the Independence Bowl. You have now you have the Texas Bowl. Music City Bowl is not right. bad. It's not a bad draw. Nashville's a great town. Agreed. But Shreveport, Shreveport is the Detroit of the South. It is, it's past its prime. It's like the only thing they have there is like a Shoney's that you might want to go to because there's nothing else. And maybe like an AMC 14 that only has like seven theaters working and everyone there is just like all hopped up on meth and popcorn. That's an accurate, that's actually from like their travel guide. 
So what I hear from you is that the SEC moving to Vegas would be pretty much the greatest thing ever because yeah. it isn't Shreveport. I, I hate that that we could have listeners in Shreveport are listening to this, but Move. just know that just know that Vegas is might be a better option than Shreveport. It is. Go to Reno, Mountain West. See you later. I would love to see the conversations between like the Mountain West and the SEC. <laughs> if there's like some sort of resistance here, like can you imagine Greg Sankey sitting down with no offense to the Mountain West, but I don't know the commissioner in the Mountain West off the top of my head. Yeah. Can you imagine Greg Sankey sitting down at a table and being like, "Yeah, this this is ours now." Yeah, they're I mean, they're just John John Smith in it, just coming over here. Christopher Columbus, like this is mine, mine. Yeah, you guys have to go take like a walk to like Oklahoma now. You, that's where your bowl game's gonna be. Trail of Tears. Sorry, that's terrible, terrible, ins- insensitive reference. But I mean, it's like Vegas. The Vegas Bowl is not a good bowl, right? But at the same time, it's like. If you have a chance to partner with the SEC over the Mountain West, that's like some girl that just like came back from summer and got hot and was like, "Oh yeah, sorry, Billy, like we're not dating anymore. Like, <laughs> I'm dating Chad. He's on the football team. Like, I'm really sorry. You're in the band. I don't know to tell you. We're in high school now, so I have a rep. Like that. That's what Vegas is doing. And the Big Twelve is like, whatever. What's the name of that girl that you were just imitating? Tiffany is with it... an eye and a heart over the end of it. Tiffany with I'm multiple like... eyes. My guess was going to be Becky, but Tiffany's pretty close. Or to like it. A, a Haley, but like instead of like a Y, it's like a. Uh, just a slew of vowels at the end, like a cough, like E I G H, like Haley. I've got I've got a friend named Haley who spells her name that way. She is not like that at with all. A cough? Actually, ironically enough, no, no, not with a cough at the end of her name. But uh, yeah. Um, so, anyways, we're gonna move past Auburn names with a K and <laughs> Haley's with uh, a lot of vowels. So, yeah, the SEC in Vegas would be extremely beneficial, I think, for the conference, given what has transpired in the whole sports yeah. gambling realm. Oof, God, um, sounds so good. And by the way, in case you missed it, Vegas is now a sports town because the Vegas Golden Knights went to the Stanley Cup. First ever expansion team to do that. Pretty cool, but they were cursed by, well, Imagine Dragons, so that's pretty rough turnout. Ooh, can Have we get seen... Imagine Dragons to perform at the Vegas Bowl when the ICC goes there? No, they'll be way too big by then. I don't know why, but they will be way too big by then. Why? Why? Can they I not know. be? I went to their I... concert one time on accident. Oh, no. I went to go see Naked and Famous. It's like my favorite band, them in churches. And I showed up and I was like, like, this is when I was still young. Like, this is like four years ago. And I was like, looking good. When you were kind of a millennial? Yeah. And I was like, cool. And then now I'm like yelling. I yelled at a kid in a movie theater on Sunday. It's just like, this is where I'm at in life now. But yep. I was like, who who's playing? And it's like these like 13-year-old kids like, Imagine Dragons. Cool. Sounds like a perfect name for 13-year-old kids to love. I'd like to imagine a world in which we don't have to listen to that. Yeah, I'm already like dreading the fact that Imagine Dragons is like definitely coming to an SEC ESPN commercial near you. Or have they already been on one? I hope not. What was the song last year that was so bad? Um, I heard it the other day. Oh, shoot. How am I blanking on this? Now, I just have Imagine Dragons stuck in my head now. Yeah, me too. Thanks a lot. Okay, do you believe you can win this fight tonight? Yeah. That, that um, sounded like it could have been an Imagine Dragons The song. episode we did, we talked about how unlikable Patrick Reed is. Fun fact about Patrick Reed, he listens to Imagine Dragons to get pumped up. That's oh, yeah. a real thing. That's oh, yeah. a real thing. Ugh. Yeah, hopefully Imagine Dragons is not coming to the SEC, but yeah. maybe Vegas will be. And if so, we are going to turn in our credentials have you been to Vegas to do that. I have not been to Vegas, I'm but gonna... I am like... I've, I've had like I've had these like three probably like two or three different opportunities in which I was like gonna go and then I had something come up and I couldn't and it really bothers me so I'm, I have more I have more excitement to want to go to Vegas now than maybe anyone yeah um, <laughs> than <so>, anyone <laughs> than anyone <laughs> Bold the okay that's not entirely true <laughs> Connor you do seem like the Vegas type like just like yeah let's do this, do this. I, I'm, anytime you want to go to Vegas anytime you let me know 
and 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 it'll be the opposite of what you just said. I will drop whatever is happening in my life, which is never a lot. And and yeah, I'm in. Let's do this. I'll get on right. Spirit Airlines and have terrible customer service for the two and a half hour flight and just lose my life in gambling. We'll follow like Arkansas to the to the Vegas Bowl or something like that in 2020. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Arkansas football may not be, let's say, at a championship level, at a Vegas Bowl level just yet. But Arkansas baseball, on the other hand, playing at a championship level. Uh, the Omahogs are one of three SEC teams. I didn't come up with that. Oh, man. That. That you really you gave me that look. You <laughs> gave me that look like, oh, my gosh, what? you are so creative. No, 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 no. That is definitely not me. So the SEC has three teams in the College World Series. I know we don't talk a lot of baseball here. But I think it's 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 so like incredible to look at just how successful SEC baseball has been in the past decade. Yeah. And it sort of gets glossed over in a way by football guys like us who just want to talk about football in the middle of June. But do you realize so Arkansas, Florida, Mississippi State all going there? Do you realize that in nine of the last ten years, the championship college baseball worlds the college world series had an SEC team in it? I mean, that's nine of the last ten years. I would hope so. like, There's like eight teams in the college world series. You mean the championship fi- fi- uh, final? The, the championship final. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. really good. Never mind. Yeah, that's way more impressive. Last year we yeah. had both of them. Yeah, Florida and LSU. Yeah, Florida looking for a chance to repeat this year. Florida baseball is the equivalent of like, is is are we say looking it. at like Georgia? Are we looking at Georgia? No, I won would say first, Bama. Because <laughs> then they win their first their first, well they won their first title last year, didn't they? Well, they were in. I think they won in two thousand five when they had Matt Laporta, who was like a first round draft oh, with the Indians. Yeah, he was yeah. so good. And they've been in the College World Series seven of the past 11 years, which is crazy. Okay, so this is my way of saying, is SEC baseball better than SEC football? Your thoughts? Yes. Dang. Yeah, you don't hear Danny Cannell talking about baseball. Talks about softball. Can't argue it, though. That's why. This is true. No, like, I mean, baseball, like, traditionally, like, LSU has always been a powerhouse. Florida, like, I hate to say this, but I, I saw that today, and they were, like, seven World Series appearances in 11 years. And I was like, yeah, you should. Like, you're Florida. Right. Watching you try to sprawl out in this closet you're recording in right now is one of my favorite things ever. <laughs> a, little peek be- a little peek behind the onion. I'm recording in a closet right now because shout out to my mom who is staying um, at our place uh, for a week uh, from Chicago, coming down to Florida just to get a little taste of that Florida sun because who doesn't love that in the middle of June? And she is staying in our guest room, which also functions as my office. So yes, I'm recording this from our walk-in closet. Shout out I'm to my to mom who said since, until my sophomore year of high school that I was in the closet because I loved corduroy pants. So same thing, I get it. We'll move on. Nice. From that. I mean, the quarter points we'll they're nice. So you watched that uh, that Mississippi State Vandy game? Oh my was, god, that was late Saturday night, right? Or it Sunday was night. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and every single yes. one of them was incredible. I turned off the Fast and Furious marathon I was involved in. Don't judge. Goodness gracious, <laughs> my girlfriend cried at the end of Fast and Furious Six. She'd never seen them, so we decided to watch them. And I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to propose to her within the week after seeing that. That kind of heart. Anyway, the three games. In in Nashville for Mississippi State Vandy, it was incredible. It was incredible. That's, like, that's what Friday college night, baseball should be all about. Up. Yeah, exactly. They Friday night they had that and terrible eye black. They all just do too much with the eye black and wrist tape. Good lord. But they so Friday night Mississippi State hits a walk off in the in the last inning. Next night they come back. Vandy hits a walk off in the last inning. So these are two teams that. Going into the the NCAA tournament, didn't really look like they belonged. I think I think Mississippi State was like thirty one and twenty five or something like that. Mississippi State had the coach scandal in the beginning of the season. You know, kind of a we'll leave it at that. Yeah, fun times. And he's a rush probes of 
SEC baseball. So, Your comparison, not mine. Yeah. So he, um, they end up, they, they're like, they're 31 and 25 going into the, like, I guess, like, national tournament. They win their region, then they go to the super regionals, play in Vandy. And, like, so at one point, halfway through the season, they were actually playing Vanderbilt. They got swept. They only scored, like, four runs or six runs the entire weekend. They're 14 and 15 overall. And they, they look pretty bad. And now they're going to the World Series. It's a pretty awesome story. It is. in Starkville. Yeah, I mean, Mississippi State, let's just say, let's throw it out there right now. Mississippi State going to win a national championship in baseball and football. We want to put oh our name on God, that. Oh, my God, here we go. There's nobody in this world that's more excited about Mississippi State winning a national championship than Connor and Stingray. I joke. I joke. So I was... I always think about this now, uh, at least I have in the last few years, and I'm not necessarily a proponent of the eight-team college football playoff, but it is interesting to look at the College World Series and that it is eight teams that are in it, and the setup is more conducive to baseball yeah. than it is, you know, because they've got the double elimination, all that stuff. But can you picture any world in which, let's say the, the playoff did expand to, to eight teams. Okay. Is it crazy to think that we could see a scenario in which three SEC teams make it? I hope so, if that means Central Florida doesn't make it. <laughs> the UCF no, I don't. That I was mean, unprompted. Out of eight, no, that's tough. I mean, it's gonna be. It's you'll have two in there, but that like that gets to a point where it's weird because it's like, all right, do you have a conference championship game still, and do both those teams get in, or is it two teams in the same division? So here's the here's maybe the better question. This past year, if we had been under an eight eight team playoff, oh, all three with three SEC teams, yeah, you would have had Auburn, Alabama, you set me up for and that you one, would have too. I did set you up for that one. See, that was a little, little change-up. A little change-up in the dirt on two strikes. Oh, look at you with all the baseball yeah. talk. Yeah, um, I played baseball back in the day. You know what was amazing? The biggest thing I found out, yeah, we, you told us about it, that one kid struck you out from his dad's, oh, like the, yeah, yeah. the writer that hated on Roquan. That's right, that's right. I mean, <laughs> then I challenged him to a duel. The one thing I, I think my biggest takeaway from the whole weekend, we found out last night on Monday, God's no longer an Auburn fan. Whoa. I know. I had no idea God was a bandwagon fan, but we saw it last night because... We, you heard it here first. Yeah. This is, this is hot, big news. Hot takes here, guys. God, yeah. I've said it my, I've said it for... I've been on the record several times. You have. God is an Auburn fan. Apparently, God is no longer an Auburn fan because after last night, a lot of Auburn fans upset about this, how that game ended, and it was, it was kind of crazy. It was kind of crazy how the whole thing happened because you saw... It wasn't a. It wasn't like a bomb. It wasn't like he was like robbing like over the fence. This this it's warning track power. This warning track power. And whoever the right fielder for Auburn was mistimed his jump, and ball goes off his glove, over the fence, home run. I laughed hysterically, and then Auburn fans were pretty upset about it. And I get it. And I hate it for that kid. That's terrible. But what I will say is, Auburn fans, gather around for a little little bit of like the the glass is half full over here. At least after that ball hit off his glove and went over the fence, at least somebody didn't return it for 109 yards for a winning score in a sport that actually matters. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah, I said it. So you, former college baseball player, saying that college baseball does not matter. That's another compared to football no. first. I, I, well, I think college baseball matters. Let me, t- let me tell you that. We are just not college baseball guys per se. But College World Series, of course, we're going to turn it on and we're going we're gonna to be interested. And I'm sure SEC fans everywhere are going to be. So, yeah. But yeah, let's get back to football because that's what we do best. <laughs> yeah. Um, There's so no snare we, in my headphones. I have no snare. Uh, yeah, you're not Eminem. You're not allowed to say that. You got that reference. All right. We're, on, we're firing on all cylinders today, guys. 
Of course. So AL.com did something that's I, I like that they that AL.com does this. I think this is kind of a cool little insight as opposed to just having media do this. So AL.com pulled SEC sports information directors and they asked them to one of the things that they asked them to do was to rank the SEC teams based on, you know, best to worst. And so I'm going to run through this really, really quick in case you haven't seen this. Number one, Alabama, two, Georgia, three, Auburn, four, LSU, five, Texas A&M, six, South Carolina, seven, Mississippi State, eight, Florida. I need a water break. I'm tired. Nine. <laughs> nine was a tie between Mizzou and Kentucky. Number 11 was Ole Miss. Number 12 was Tennessee. Number 13, Arkansas. Number 14, Vandy. So, man, you see something like this and immediately... As someone who consumes the SEC, you have opinions on it. And it's worth mentioning that while these are sports information directors, aka SIDs, who do this, it's not like all of them are throwing their own team at number one. I think if, if that was the uh. case, I mean, it would just, it would probably all cancel out. But at least some people have had enough sense to like, okay, Alabama's number one. Georgia's we had a 14 way two. tie. That's, 14-way tie. We're just going to go with standings based on last year. No. But yeah, there are a few things that stand out to me when I look at this. And it starts maybe at that number four slot with LSU. I think putting LSU as the top four team in the SEC to start this year is a reach. I'm going to duck and cover. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if that is... I don't, first off, I don't know what that means, duck and cover. But I mean, like, um, um, while I was preparing for the the hurling of insults from LSU oh. fans who are saying we're getting too caught up in the schedule, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. You go, you boy, we got Joe Burrow coming in the quarterback. We won't be fine. That's that's right. That I think this was taken post Joe Burrow additions. So. Yeah, that's it. Maybe listen to the podcast because I'm all in on Joe Burrow. That being said, yeah. I mean, I don't know why A and M is so high. Yeah, four and five to me were, yeah, to have LSU at four and A&M at five is basically saying that you think they're going to win nine games, yeah, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's kind of the, the bar. And I think if Jimbo is winning nine games in year one, A&M fans are like, let, let, let's go. Like, we're, yeah. we're exactly where we want to be. I mean, I think a nine-win season for, for that team, and as long as they're you know somewhat relevant in November, I think that'd be great for them. But – I think it's a little bit too high too early. I don't like the idea of putting Mississippi State only at number seven. Yeah, you knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. <laughs> right at the um, middle of the road there, Connor. You know, right where they've been their entire existence in the conference. Because to me, I think that's a team that... Team of Destiny. Many, many, many times. But for you new listeners, I think Mississippi State could win 9 to 10 games this year, and I don't think it would be that big of a stretch. You get on to me about me repeating my jokes sometimes, and you bring this up almost every episode about Mississippi State. Mississippi State's going to win 9 to 10 games. All right, yeah, we'll see. So so in your mind, who's not getting enough love on this list? Uh, Mizzou. Mizzou is tied at number 9 with Kentucky. Maybe they are going to love I don't know. (laughs) If you think about it, though, that's basically saying that Mizzou is going to be a seven-win team. They are going to be a seven-win team. I'll, I'll put any amount of money on that. But, like, let's see. So they're, they're not going to be they're not going to beat Bama on the road. Let's, okay, so let's not go through the entire yeah. schedule because that's going to be tough. Let's do it for every team, let's, though. <laughs> gosh, no. <laughs> who, above, who above Mizzou would you say should not be above them? Florida. Okay, so where would you, where would you drop Florida to? Florida's at number eight. Whoa. Okay, yeah. so you're saying that Mizzou is going to have a better season than A&M. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I think they'll both be 7 and 5. Both 7 and 5. Okay. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair too when you think about the the tough thing is the the division and what yeah. you're going 7 and 5 against, of course. And A&M having that Clemson game gives them a little bit more They have it at home, way. which is good, but yeah, they're going to get 
just boat raced by Clemson, in my opinion. When's the last time yeah. A&M has I done mean, well against a pass rush? When they had Manziel. <laughs> That's it. Like, when they had an elusive quarterback. They, like, they've, they've traditionally had really good offensive lines because they've had, like, first-round draft picks, like, two or three years in a row. They don't have that now. And you also lose your, your – and I'm, I'm going to say it – your only offensive weapon in Christian Kirk. No, nah, Travion Williams. Come on. Sure, okay. Sure. And I think after seeing Nick Starkle throw for a billion yards in the Belk Bowl, oh, yeah, you Wake have Force. a little bit of yeah, hope. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm all just in saying. now. Just, they played Wake Forest in Charlotte in their backyard. That's a that's a stone's throw from Winston-Salem, and they just ran them out the building. No, I, I mean, I think they're going to be really good for years to come because the recruiting they're going to do, we'll, we'll touch on that later. But, like, in the state of Texas with somebody like Jimbo Fisher, they're going to be really good. But when you're in the SEC West, if you're ever going to ask me to compare a team who has a better chance and they're even, evenly matched, in my opinion, or like they're, they're close to being even. And there's more talent on the roster for A&M than there is Mizzou. However, if you're going to ask me between who's got a better chance to have a better record between a team from the East versus the West, it's always going to be the West, right? It's always going to be the East right now because it's an easier division. Would you rather go play at Bama or rather play at Kentucky? I'd rather play at Tennessee State. Yeah, why did you pause? I don't. Like, <laughs> I had to think about that for a sec. Just think of a, the random group of five team that I could throw in there. Um, that would make a lot of sense because that's where a lot of SEC transfers go. That's true. Um, okay, so yeah, I mean, this list is going to be one that I mean we talk about for you know the week here, and other people come out with lists of their own. We're of course going to come out with our power rankings. Uh, I think we're going to come out with like consensus power rankings in August. Let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah, you know I'm what? If we're going to pick apart other people's, we'll, we'll put our <laughs> we'll put our name behind some power rankings. That's we're going to we do, do the here. goat power rankings every week so we can argue with all of our readers. The greatest power. Let's let's just call them the greatest power rankings of all time. Yeah, Has I'm anybody claimed that. that yet? No, I don't think so. Okay, the goat of SEC power yeah, rankings weekly um, on the SDS podcast weekly. Where I mean, where else can you experience the goat on a weekly basis? I don't know. That's right. We're not going to overdo it at all. Just saying. Yeah, we're, we're living goats. Enough goat talk. We had plenty of goat talk this past week. It was really, really fun. In case you guys didn't get a chance to see any of that content, perhaps you were on vacation or like I was. Mm-hmm. But I still saw many, many stories from Goat Week um, and was able to hear all of the people who hated on my running back duo yeah. goat pick. But we'll talk about that later. Uh, what I do want to talk about now is... So throughout the offseason, we're going to get... Yeah, thanks for clapping. I appreciate that. So throughout the offseason, we're going to get some updated week one lines. We're going to get yeah. lines for key games throughout the That's season. That's what I was clapping for, um, Connor, not your article. I was clapping oh, for Vegas. Okay, that, that, okay, Sorry. Yeah, back to Vegas. Back to Vegas. So Westgate Superbook came out with some updated week one odds for SEC games. And I want to know the games that you look at that you are saying, sign me up. I've already got my bets in. I'm I'm putting money on that on that spread right now just because it's it's too appealing for me not to. All right, well, first and foremost, I'm glad you asked that, Connor. Here we go. We got a little Marlon minute for you. We're gonna go over some gambling bets. For, I don't place any future bets because I don't have that kind of discipline or patience. So I need action now. I need to feel alive behind these dead eyes. You know that. So also shout out to myself because I won money on the triple crown this weekend. I Is I bet crack? on Gronk and I bet on Justify. You were. yes. So. Here's what's interesting to me. <laughs> there, first off, there's a line for Kentucky and, and Central Michigan. Crazy. Don't hit on Central Michigan. Don't Here we go, Mac. Here we go. Already. Already triggered. <laughs> yeah, Do you, you don't need a reason to give me... You don't need to pretty much come up with any excuse I can to stick up for the Mac. Can you tell me Maction, one... Tell me, who, tell me two starters for Central Michigan. Dan Lefevre and Butch Jones. That is... 
understand Lefevre. Wasn't he a quarterback there like three years ago? I think like 10 years ago. I think I saw him play when I was in college. I'm not sure. All right, cool. Yeah. So we're, we're going to move on answer. from that. Name two starters from Kentucky besides Benny Snell. Go. Besides besides Benny Snell? <laughs> oh, come on. That's it's, not good. Well, we your, don't Mac, know. your Mac knowledge is the same. You know what? We're going to move on. We're going to move on. We got, we got a lot to study. We got a lot to That's, study, no, both of us here. No, that is not fair. Okay. <laughs> so here's here's what intrigues me the most. Jordan Jones. So Miami is now a favorite over LSU. By the way, I had the Jor- Jordan Jones. Just slip that in there. Just I like that. Yeah, there we go. You could have said anything. Jordan Jenkins. There we go. I did it. Jeff Smith. Miami is now a favorite over LSU. Wasn't LSU the favorite beforehand? Um, I think that that line has moved. Yeah. So a bunch of the lines did move, and here's, here's the ones that intrigued me the most. Again, Vanderbilt also seven-point favorite middle, middle, over Middle Tennessee State. Middle Tennessee has covered that spread in that game three out of the past four years. Just throwing that out there. There you go. Also, including beating them straight up one year. Bama versus Louisville. That line opened at 28, jumped up to 30 and a half, and has now dropped to 25 and a half. Jump all over that. All over that. You know why? Because that's not sharp money moving. That's not like Sharps putting money on Louisville this early in advance. So that's just Vegas moving the line because they probably got a couple of bets on Louisville. That's exactly where you want it, under 28. Jump all over that. Washington and Auburn. I told you guys. I told both of or Not both of you. I told all of you. I'm, I am one person. Yeah. I told you and everyone else that Auburn line, when they were favored by four and a half, was crazy. Fun fact, any line that's between four and a half to five and a half in Vegas over the past 15 years, that line from, five, or from four and a half to five and a half has been covered by the underdog on average of 71% of the time. There you go. You're learning a lot of stuff today. So I would have taken Washington. By the way, Josh, real quick, Josh Allen, uh, Mike Edwards. What is happening? We're naming Kentucky players. No, we're not. We're naming we've Kentucky moved players. on. We've moved on. We're naming Kentucky players. I can't I'm have Kentucky fans really know that I don't right know now. their you're, entire... You're so triggered by the Kentucky comment. I just threw out a stat that's going to blow your mind. I am triggered. Can't wait till you hear it afterwards when we do the replay here. Anyway... 71% of the time, a line between 4.5 to 5.5 is covered by the underdog. That's why I would have jumped all over Washington at 4.5. That line has now come down to 3. I still like Washington to win that game outright, even though it's basically a home game for Auburn, because there's more Auburn fans in Atlanta than there are in Auburn. Fun fact. Also, not that it helped them this past that year. That is very true. Whatever. South Carolina and Coastal Carolina, I don't know why that is 29.5. I would just like it at 28. That's weird. I wouldn't touch that. West Virginia at, against Tennessee, it was at 6, and I said I would take West Virginia all day on that. It's jumped all the way up to 9. I would still take West Virginia. I would still take West Virginia in that. That offense is going to come out, and they're going to, like, and Dana Holgerson seems like an, an a-hole. Uh-oh. Look at me saying Marler, myself. What? Marler, I think we're having, uh, we're, we're, we're having some, some heated moments here, um, and I'm worried. I, I'm worried that you're getting a little bit carried away with gambling in the middle of June, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, like, just wondering if you have an outlet here. I, I know. Yeah. I worry this for you because the NBA Finals just ended. I know. Stanley Cup just ended. Oh, are you asking like, for one you... bet? Did I go? Did I go too much into it? I'm, I'm worried that you're having some withdrawals. I well, I'm not having withdrawals because I'm doing it every day. But yeah, I'm like from stuff that matters. Yeah, I'm tired of betting on baseball. I'm not Pete Rose. Ooh, too soon. If I had one bet to place on any of these games, I would bet. I I like Washington straight up, and I like West Virginia to cover against Tennessee. I'd like West Virginia more than more than the Washington pick. So you know how like you can go through a circuit workout at the gym and you're like at the end, after the end of the circuit workout it could be like a two minute thing but you get your heart rate up so quickly and you're like I, I just need water right now yeah that that was you just now taking a sip of water after doing that <laughs> I'm gonna take a lap that was your that was your circuit workout I'm gonna let you take uh, take back control but I get I get excited I mean I don't get to lead the way a lot and we talk about Vegas SEC lines yeah I'm all amped up I'm all hopped up on Mountain Dew take it away 
we've had so much Vegas talk in the first like two weeks or in the first not two weeks in the first like 25 minutes of this podcast can you tell that sports gambling is now um legalized in the united states um yeah i think sec fans are going to get a kick out of that i think it's going to be it's going to be fun to follow some of those lines for me if i'm looking at it i'm still looking at that alabama louisville line and they're just daring you to bet on louisville and i would not I would not touch Louisville. No. I'd go all in on, on Bama winning that game by at least four touchdowns. That's the one that jumps out to me. And then maybe I would I would probably still go with like a like a Miami to cover against LSU because I do think it's gonna be even if it's one of those seventeen to fourteen games that that Miami pulls out, which I do think it'll be, Kings would still cover. So yeah, those would be two of the ones. And then the South Carolina one. I don't think South Carolina's offense is going to be ready to cover a 29 and a half point spread in week one. That's a lot for an offense that really struggled last year. I know big expectations for Brian McClendon, but And that's gotta pretty much be their in-state rival now because they're not gonna beat Clemson anytime soon. That wasn't nice. That wasn't nice. All right, we're gonna move on to a guy that we talked about earlier and something that I think SEC fans are kind of just trying to get the thumb on, and that's this Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M deal with his recruiting. Because I do think that while Texas A&M has been solid in recruiting, I think they averaged a recruiting class of number 11 during the Kevin Sumlin era, which is very solid by all stretches of the imagination. But Jimbo Fisher right now has the number two class in America for 2019. Now, I preface that by saying there are still eight months left in the recruiting cycle, technically, but the official visits are earlier now. You can do those over the summer, of course. So the recruiting cycle is ramped up a bit, and now with the early signing period, it's a little bit different than what we're used to. So Jimbo Fisher is sitting there with the number two class in the country behind only Nick Saban and number one Alabama, of course. But I think Jimbo is getting is going to get continue to get a lot of attention for recruiting in that state because he's dominating right now. He's doing really, really well with the in-state recruits especially. And he had this quote that he said to Tex Ags that I think is interesting. Um, he said, uh, quote, I'm asking recruits to make the same decision that I made. I wasn't planning on coming to Texas A&M, but I got a call and I started researching and was sold. We talk a lot to recruits about that. Are you buying this belief that Jimbo Fisher is saying to recruits, do what I did and make this make this move to Texas A&M, even if you didn't have it on your radar? Uh, yes and no. And the reason why is because I fully believe that he didn't initially do his research while planning to go there because he got called out on his bluff again by Florida State. That's the only reason he had to leave. Because they, they would have kept him even with this terrible record. But his whole bluff like, I'm going to leave. I'm really going to leave this time. Like, all right, dude, that's fine. <laughs> We're good. We're good now. Remember, Tiffany's grown up now, so she doesn't need you anymore. <laughs> so they People they, forget that uh, Jimbo only won five games in his final season yeah. at Florida State. But I think that is water under the bridge for Texas A&M fans who are not worried about that whatsoever. I think they are more focused on the the here and now and well the future to be to be honest. I mean, this is a team that is going to try and get these in-state recruits that maybe they've missed out on uh, in, in years past. And I don't think really recruiting was the problem with someone. I mean, the, the talent was there. He had the, the class with Miles Garrett in 2014 that I believe finished number, I think that was number five nationally. So like they've had a top five yeah. class before. But number two is like, whoa. He's, I mean, well, That's, it's also June. But, I mean, he's he's a hell of a recruiter. Right. And, and like, you got to also – like, I was looking at the rankings earlier, and I was like, where the hell is Georgia? Because Georgia is, like, 11th 
Then again, they only have it's eight early. commits, and of course, three of them are five stars. Four of them, or five of them are right. four stars. But I mean, with with Jimbo, he's going to recruit well, and and it's funny because it's like it's like when you were applying for college, did you have a safety school? Yes. Yeah. So all of mine were safety schools, basically. But this would be like <laughs> if if it was like, oh yeah, I'm going to apply to Harvard, but my safety school is Georgia Perimeter College. And then Harvard like got discredited or something like that, or they lost their accreditation. That's kind of what happened with him. Is like I could go to LSU. Watch, I could go to LSU, and then didn't, and then got what's like kind of you know assumed to be like a second tier job at A and M, and not as like whoa 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 second tier A and M fans are not going to like well, you saying I'm gonna that. I'm going to explain it. I, a lot of people think that LSU would be a much better job, and they could have paid like I mean, a lot of people think that's a better program than than what A and M would be. It's not. I mean, say what you want. <laughs> I feel like we're at summer camp FaceTiming right now. I can't. But, it, but like... Sorry about that. I'm adjusting. That's good. But no, but the College Station is not... I would rather go to Baton Rouge than College Station. Just... But bear with me on this. He has so okay. many more advantages at A&M than he would have at another school. Because A&M is going to have an endless amount of, of booster money. They're going to have an endless amount of support. They're going to have, I mean, with that comes a lot of expectations. But they're also going to have an endless amount of recruiting possibilities because they're in Texas. Right, right. Oh, absolutely. And there's there's no doubt about that. And I think the potential is because of the fact that he's in Texas and he's already putting in this kind of work before he's even coached the game there. I think there is that potential for him to finish maybe with a top three class. And and so I was curious about what that means if. Because this is Jimbo's first full cycle. I have already, you know, complimented the job that he and his staff did to be able to put together a top 20 class with the early signing period. I think that was a really difficult thing to do, and he managed to get it done. And so this is his first full cycle. So I went back and I looked back. I, I looked at some of the, the the top coaches or maybe most notable coaches in the 21st century in college football. So you're looking at a situation in which not every coach comes into uh I don't want to say having the resources that Jimbo does. So Dabo goes into Clemson and only number 27 was his class in his first full recruiting cycle. Then you have guys like Charlie Strong, number 10, Les Miles at number eight, Tom Herman, number three at Texas. That was in 2018 this past year. And then here's where it gets interesting. So Kirby Smart in 2017, number three, Nick Saban, Alabama, 2008, Number three, Urban Meyer at Florida in 2006. Number two, Urban Meyer at Ohio State in 2013. Number two, Jimbo Fisher in 2011 at Florida State. Number two. So you'll notice Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, Urban Meyer twice, and Jimbo. What do they all have in common with those classes that finished in the top three in their first full recruiting cycle? They played for national championships. I don't think they played for national championships very soon. Let's not get ahead of very, ourselves very here. Soon. I'm not saying AM is going to do that. I am saying, though, that like you you have to be fired up if you're an AM fan and if this continues. Yeah. There's no guarantee that this continues. And for all we know, like AM could have a six win season and Texas like has a Georgia like year. And all of a sudden we're talking about AM losing recruits left and right to Texas. Do I think that happens? No. no. But it's worth noting that like. If this continues for the next, I don't know, eight months, uh, this is a pretty good sign, I think, for for yeah. for exactly what you think seventy five million dollars should buy. And and there's a easy, it's easy to argue like, well, he's going to have to go up against Texas, and he's going to have to go up against Texas. Well, not really Texas Tech, but like there's a lot of other big schools in Texas. That being said, his only real competition 
in that state should be Texas. Like he should be able to keep away enough Agreed. people. And like in LSU's going to get their players from Houston. Bama's going to get a couple guys. Like you know, like there's going to be players. Like Oklahoma's going to come in and take some of the players. But there's such a wealth of talent in that state. Like so, I looked this up over the past five years. The amount of blue chip players from each state, the highest total like percentage of overall blue chip players is four and five stars, top players in the country. Thirteen point eight percent of the entire country's blue chip football players come from Texas. Look at you doing math. I know. Oh, I mean, they did it for me. Wow. It's already plugged in. Oh, but, okay. I mean, we're talking about Not an average impressed. of almost 50 players a year that are blue-chip players. That's, I mean, it's incredible. Not to mention all the three stars Mizzou's going to get, or two stars are going to get, turn into safeties like they always do, it seems like. But, yeah, I mean, like, they, they he, should, he should always end up in at least in the top 10 if he's at A&M. Agreed. Agreed. And I think this is setting the exact precedent that you want to see. And if you're an A&M fan, you're just like, all right, let's let's do it. This is this is what we signed up for. Right. So I think that that's going to be something that's worth watching. Can he continue to compete with Kirby and with Saban for this um, this title of having the best class in America? I think, you know, he said he said I think he told uh, Dennis Dodd last this past National Signing Day. He's like next year we're going to have either the first or the second best class in America. He's like already predicting that a year in advance. I mean that's that's like well, big time praise, and he's done nothing to no finish the sentence right there. That. Just finish the sentence right there. <laughs> no, like just saying like if you're going to make a big prediction like that, you can't be sitting there in the middle of June with like two or three kids committed, yeah. and it's like Texas is that would be crazy. So, that would be like I don't know having a national championship trophy made with your team's name oh, on it, geez. and then not even playing a, a game. It was a plaque. Either way, people don't forget. People don't forget. We will definitely not forget that on this podcast. We might even bring it up with every. Wait, Texas so who's he behind now, right now? Who'd you say? In in terms of in overall like rankings, the, just uh, the the guy in Alabama. I think his name is uh, his last name rhymes with like Dabin. Yeah, I think, I think it's something like that. I'll tell you what. I'm gonna give a shout out real quick because I made fun of him earlier about Coastal Carolina. One team I do want to give a shout out to that's been real real hot on the recruiting trail: South Carolina. South Carolina's been killing yeah, it. They're top five Absolutely right now. Absolutely killing it. They are right behind Clemson, but they they just got a five they got a commitment from a five star D end, four star quarterback, another four star D end. Like they're they're on fire, on fire. Did you see that? Uh, did you see that Brent Venables was at that kid's uh, commitment, the five star? I'm blanking on his name right now, but yeah, Clemson defensive coordinator was like there for it, and somebody snapped a photo and was like awkward. <laughs> that's awesome. That's so weird. Bama got a commitment from a kid named Dazzlin, so there's that. Right. Pretty pumped. Oh, okay. That's yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, we. T- <laughs> Transitioning from one first-year coach in the SEC to another, uh, there's there. I think there is some serious optimism for Dan Mullen in year one, and we've talked about that at length. But the newsworthy element of this is Phil Steele, who comes out with his annual summer magazine. It's been dubbed the preseason Bible of college football. Yeah. Uh, I think if you're a college football fan, there is really nothing better in terms of preseason magazine coverage. It is fantastic. Just loads and loads of information. Make sure you get your decoder ring when you when you first get it. Because, like, there's a, there's that one page. It's like maybe it's two pages where it's like, here's all 157,000 abbreviations you need to know before you read this magazine. It is the best magazine. I've, I'm not exaggerating. I've gone up to the Barnes & Noble Two blocks up from my apartment, I think every single day for the past four days to see if they have it. I think they just shipped out today, the day that we are recording. <sighs> I'm gonna this, go up so. there again today then. Yeah, you should uh, you should check it out. So we know SEC fans are gonna be getting the annual college football preview magazine. Phil Steele went on WJOX and provided a little bit of a teaser. Oh um, said that yes, his team 
that he thinks is going to be most improved in 2018 is the Florida Gators. Okay, so two things about Phil Steele beforehand. One, he's been the most accurate predictor in college football, like preseason predictor, over the past like pre-season, 17 or 18 years. Preseason top 10 teams. Right. That is what he, he, he prides himself on, is being able to predict the preseason AP top right. 10. Right. Also, I don't know if you saw this, but I tweeted at him trying to see like when the thing was going to get shipped out. And I didn't realize I tweeted also included, because apparently he had responded to it, Jerry DiNardo. Ah, Jerry, a.k.a. Gary, yeah. Larry, Terry. Right. Nobody, neither one of them responded. Anyway, it's it's an incredible, incredible magazine. He he does do a really good job. He does every year the top 10 teams that are going to be most improved and the top 10 teams are going to take a step back. And it's crazily accurate. He picked Notre Dame in 2012 to make the biggest jump in the country, and they went from being like, I don't know, eight and four the year before to going to the national championship game. I mean, he, he's incredible. That being said, most improved, Florida, sure. You know why? A lot of room for improvement. A lot of room for improvement. It's actually correct. One time I got a 930 on my PSAT because I didn't study. I wasn't smart. All of those things applied, but don't, wait, don't wait, start. Wait, 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 don't wait. start. Wasn't? Wasn't I'm, smart? I'm very smart now. I got a 1240 on my SAT, Connor. You could say wow. I was the most improved in the country. You know why? Because I set that bar low, like I do with a lot of things in my life. That way, you're not disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> so if you go beyond all those expectations, what? Look at this guy, trying hard, most improved. So I had the same initial reaction, and I'm not as high on Florida as there as others are. It's, it's worth noting that last year, so Phil Steele took some flack for this because he had Florida as one of his preseason national championship contenders, his surprise preseason national championship yep. contenders. Now, he did all of that before Florida had the suspensions for the credit card scandal and the disaster that was the 2017 season in Gainesville. And that would have changed was, every, almost every game. That 4-7 and seven I mean, record would have been at least 5-7, and 5-6. I was about to correct you and say four and eight, and then you forget about yeah they had a game against Northern Colorado canceled because of the hurricane. So yeah, well, I'm just I mean, glad you could still correct me even though you weren't you're going to correct me. That was nice. Yeah, that was really nice. <laughs> um, the the schedule is more favorable favorable for that. I mean, I think they have what three group of five teams on the schedule. Yep. Just like Florida used to do back in the day, and you know the Florida State showdown obviously, and you know it is the fact too that they are in the SEC East. And you're thinking, okay, how much does it really take to be the most improved team? If you only won four, four games the year before, technically if you have an 8-4 and four season, which I think Florida fans would be pretty, you know, I think they'd be pretty satisfied with. If you double your win total in year one, you should take it and just go to the bank with it, unless you're a one-win team, in which that's... Have you ever, won, have you ever won a most improved award? Uh, no, I usually don't improve. I stay the same. <laughs> So there's nothing more, like, awkwardly somewhat humiliating than getting a most improved award. I remember in high school I got it for my baseball team because I love the team in hitting. We were ranked number five in the country. I hit 422. These are all sick, sick brags. Rag. And I remember they were like, all right, and the most improved player of the year. And I was like, I wonder who that is. I forgot who I voted for because he doesn't matter. <laughs> and then they were like, Chris Marler. And I was like, you got to be essing me. And they spelled my name wrong on the plaque. Wow. Yeah, maybe you should, maybe you should have been a little bit more valuable. Yeah, for your team apparently. But what I'm saying is, Florida, sure, you're going to be very improved this year. You ought to be. You got Felipe Franks coming back, and quarterbacks like that don't grow on trees. Well, yeah, not so sure on the idea of Felipe Franks starting. Um, but either way, I mean, that's not what we're shooting for here. So give yourself a year. 
and and hang your hat on the most improved plaque that's going to hide in your closet that Connor's currently sitting in for years to come. But after that, let's uh, get I, back to business of winning championships. Right. It, you've got to you've got to have that that season that transition year. Um, I think anybody who expects Flo- expects Florida to all of a sudden like compete with Georgia is off their rocker. Nice. Um, I think competing for a division title, yeah, you not a millennial anymore, know a little thing about. <laughs> Talking about rocking chairs, y'all. I wouldn't get it. So I think that Florida does have potential by that weird criteria to be the most improved if talking about a four-win team going to eight wins. I don't think that's that unrealistic. No, like, I mean, if I hope hope the best for Florida. I like Florida. Gainesville is one of my favorite towns. It's so much fun. But... Can you can you talk about Gainesville without talking about you wearing jorts? I just did, Connor. You're the one that brought it up. I was moving right. on. Let it go. Goodness. Anyway, I was waiting for it. I was getting a little too excited. You were ahead of, ahead of myself. Anyway, so I went to the Gainesville or George one time. It's a lovely town. Anyway, so what I was going to say was, back to my high school baseball career. No, I, I like they should be winning championships, and that's what like it's not a discredit to like what Mullen can do in his first year. And you, you're right; they do need the transition period. But it's like it's so weird to me to think of like Florida, not a basement dweller, but like the bottom tier of the SEC or even their division. It's like what is happening? Like what, what, what happened? What world are we living in? The hope is just that it's going to be a one-year thing. And and Phil Steele in his comment on WJOX cited the fact that he's like, yeah, I basically always had Mississippi State finishing sixth or seventh right. in the division, and Dan Mullen always managed to prove me wrong. So I'm just going to go all in with him. So while it looks like. Phil Steele is just kind of doubling down on Florida. He's really just, it's more about maybe just trying to show that, hey, Dan Mullen's a pretty right. good coach, and it's about time I finally started realizing yeah. that. So, Pretty for um, always circling yeah, back to Mississippi State, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Always coming back to Starkville. Right. Stark Vegas, by the way. How have I not said Stark Vegas in a podcast I'm, that we've talked about I'm Vegas? I'm sure you like have. <laughs> I have. I have mentally. It's also not Stark Vegas. There's a Kmart there. You can't say Vegas in the same sentence of a place where there's a Kmart. You don't think there's Kmarts in actual Vegas? I know for a fact there's not Kmarts in actual Vegas because I've been to Vegas. I've never been, so I wouldn't know. All the more reason. <laughs> All right, it's it's time. On that lovely note, it is time for our favorite. It might mean too much. Oh, and this is a good one. Razorback fans, you're gonna love this. This is this is an all hog edition of it might mean it's too all much. about We've got the three woo. different things get it that like arkansas woo fans pig. yeah that was, that was nailed good. it yeah point you're you're all welcome right. so you pointed this out to me while i was on vacation i've watched this like maybe 12 different times <laughs> um the arkansas fan at the super regional who pointed at the ump for five straight minutes after the blown call was extraordinary i if you haven't seen it i'll paint a picture for you imagine a portly man, we'll just say, dressed in a bucket hat, one that always has to make a grunt when sitting down or sitting up. <sighs> like the kind of guy that looks like he always starts a sentence with, whew, I tell you what. Like That's literally you. No, it is not. <laughs> Shut up. But this guy, this guy... He decided to get it. so he looked like a buffoon in my opinion at first because he there were some questionable calls and and, and to, to his credit the coach from Arkansas actually gave him a, a little bit of a tongue lashing and told him how off his rocker he was later in the day but my favorite part is so this guy stands go. up and just points just death stare points at the umpire intimidation uh, for like five straight minutes like it was incredible I mean I tell you what. 
It worked. It did work. It and then the best part was the, the ump looked at him, and I guess, I don't know if he said something, and he said, shut your mouth and do your job. <laughs> I just, it was, what a bolt. And if I had that kind of confidence, oh, man, I, the places I would be. I mean, if we haven't, point, if you haven't pointed at an ump uh, for disagreeing with a call while you're sitting in the front row, apparently you've just been doing it wrong this whole time. Yeah. This guy is showing us a new way to heckle as a fan, um, the silent treatment, a little bit underrated. I'm just saying. Like, oh, that's you, not, no. You know how people say, use your words? Overrated. No, just use your pointing finger yeah. <laughs> and get stuff done. I think that, what's the most offensive thing you ever said to an umpire? This ought to be good. Um, so I was, all right, this is a sick brag, high school baseball catcher. I've, I've definitely, like, I've definitely, back in my um, more youthful days when I had a, let's just say a more liberal tongue. Uh, like yeah. to you know, Fun, Connor. Back in the day long time ago i definitely have dropped an f-bomb to an ump what? like under under my breath like what the f are you looking at well like you're after the catcher catch you're supposed right to be the, the most plate. measured one on the field with the umpire i know but i like said it under my breath maybe i said it as i was like walking away so i guess i didn't say it to him per se i was usually i try to butter up the umps that was That's usually catcher, my goal yeah. you were, you said the uh, f-word I, to I a probably catcher said, or to the umpire i might have like said it under my breath and like walking to the pitcher's mound like looking back at him so I waited until I was out of the squat, but that's probably the most offensive thing that I can All come I can up think with. of is like if, if you saying you dropped the F word, knowing who you are now, is like you didn't play in uniform. Like you were playing in like jeans and a leather jacket, like just ripping cigs behind home plate. Like Rebel Connor, 17 year old Rebel Connor. Back when I was the Fonz. Yeah, or that's, that's all like I can think of. I don't know why. It's just, I'm yeah. proud of you. All right. I think that's, I mean, that's, yeah. I've never said anything like that ever to an adult or an umpire. So I, I don't, I'm sorry I brought it up. I just wanted to see. I didn't realize you were that kind of person. You say stuff like that to me. <laughs> I think the worst thing I ever said to an umpire was when I was like 12, year, 12 years old. He called me out on strikes on a ball that like literally there was a left-handed catcher. So you can just imagine that. And he caught it like almost behind his head. It was way in the other other batter's box. And uh, and I said something like, I was like, are you, are you kidding me? That ball's in the other effing batter's box. And he was like, <laughs> watch your mouth, kid. I got somewhere to be. And I was like, okay, good for you. Yeah, man. you do. Uh, fun, quick story. So I was an ump, uh, when I was like a little kid, like fourth grade when you're too young to be an ump, but they somehow let you do that anyways. And you get to ump like, you know, first graders or something like that. Oh my God. So I was umping an exhibition game. First game I had ever umped in my entire life. And I wasn't supposed to ump this game. I was like a last minute fill in and first pitch of the game. Kid takes a huge hack, swings at it. Right in the nuts. I go, ball one, ball one. <laughs> sounds like the first worst, coach, rem- like, like this sounds like a remake of like the worst possible little big league ever like first the first base coach looked at me and he knew my first name and he's like connor uh he swung and that was one of the more embarrassing moments of my life oh strike one you know what i meant and i never missed a call after that that's cool man your baseball career is just illustrious and i love hearing about it (laughs) yeah no it's great all right so we'll move on from uh this it might mean too much to another one involving arkansas and um, I guess, all right, sorry, this involves me as well. Yeah. But Arkansas fans were all in my mentions last oh, week man. when I came out with the Ronnie Brown, Cadillac Williams goat story about them being the greatest running back duo in SEC history. And who knew that Arkansas fans apparently think that Darren McFadden and Felix Jones are the best duo in I tried SEC to tell history. you, I just didn't think they'd come out in that kind of Central Florida full force. And, like, I, like I, was, t- I was telling you earlier. Yeah. I, I was at Turner was, um, Studios, sick brag, filming for this TV show. But coming I out. survived it, and it was like every couple uh, of seconds, I'm getting blown up by by Arkansas fans on Twitter. It was crazy. 
but we survived it. We got through it. Emotionally. Thanks to some help from uh, when I went on Paul Feinbaum's show. Sick yeah. Greg, and I explained my reasoning for it. And I explained my reasoning in the story itself on why I didn't have McFadden and Jones at number one. And we talked about it on the Go yeah. podcast. So there were like a billion different places to, to see this. So I just took the liberty of not responding to any of them. Yeah. Sorry if you thought I ghosted you on Twitter, Arkansas fans. That was not my intention. I just couldn't You ghosted to me it. when I was supporting you. I'll tell you that much. Sorry, you brought up the best reason. It was so frustrating because like everyone's like freaking out and throwing all these stats. And it's I had one guy trolling me on Facebook and Twitter. It was like a whack-a-mole of trolls. Like I just couldn't get rid of them. And, and you brought it up, the best point that was made the entire week. Say it louder for the people in the back, Connor. They didn't have. They checked all the boxes. They checked all the boxes, and they 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 had. There wasn't as big of a disparity in in touches and in like carries. Like what was what was the stat again? It was one hundred ninety two. One hundred ninety two more carries that Darren McFadden had than Felix Jones, their junior. So year. Arkansas fans, if you're listening again, one hundred ninety two more carries in one year. That's why they weren't the best duo. That's what. Connor, I'm, I'm with you on this one. I can't even count to 192, so that's a big number. Um, so we had one more, uh, it might mean too much, involving Arkansas. And uh, I don't know if you saw, but there is a big hog statue, a 25-foot hog statue that an Arkansas fan <laughs> put in their yard. Um, this is according to 4029 TV. Uh, it is now the largest pig-slash-hog statue in the United States. Uh, Marler. Apparently, there's a big hog. That's a big, big, big old hog. Insert penis joke. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, that whole thing wasn't just one big... Okay. <laughs> I just... We like we talked about with the same thing with the umpires. Like, I have more I have more class, and, and I'm, not, I'm not that crude and crass to say something like that. The thing... Oh, gosh. The thing that I want to know is, who is the... the Thank the person, you. <laughs> we talked about this yeah. earlier. Who is the person with the, let's say, 20-foot hog statue who sees this news and is like oh man now i don't have the biggest hog Damn it, statue Trish, and- i told you we should have gone 30 feet and you sat here and got all mad at me because we had to leave early that one day because you were making your famous pasta salad for the for the, like the summertime picnic we had at the cul-de-sac so i stopped building the damn hog it's only 25 feet and now joe down the road the, f- the finger pointer from the baseball game he's got a 29 foot hog sorry harold well Moral of the story, always go big with your hog. <laughs> Jesus. God. All right, let's move on from this. This I'm going to get in trouble. Yeah. Oh, um, we have, a, by the we way, have a, a special thing we got to go over. Oh, no. Yeah. I tried, to, I tried to just get right past yes, this. Yes, you want to do it every week, but the boss says he likes it, so we have to keep doing it. I have, I have pulled right. 100 audience members and listeners about, we talked about baseball. That's a bold-faced lie. That is not. That is, yeah, it is. 100 audience members about their hogs and no that is not true based off baseball references movies players memories we're gonna do a lightning round family feud style this week i don't know what we're gonna call it yet but you have to get to 200 points like we always talk about you fail to get there you've got 69 points every single week it's been kind of impressive kind of sad let's see if you become the most improved family feud SDS Podcast Player of the Week. Are you ready? I am not, but let's But 20 it. seconds on the clock. I'll go way over that. It's purely about baseball. I'm going to ask you rapid-fire questions. You have to give me as many answers as you can. Are you ready? Here we go. First question. Name the greatest baseball movie of all time. Rookie of the False. Year. It is Air Bud, seventh inning fetch. Uh, who is the best movie character baseball player of all time? Henry Rowengard. False. Ro- it's, what? That's not even close. He was 12. Rosenberger. No. God and Hosa. It's Roy Hobbs from The Natural. Duh. Uh, what's the greatest stadium not named Wrigley Field? Because Wrigley Field is already second. Go ahead. 
Fenway Park. Yeah, there it is. Okay. Who is the greatest baseball player Fenway in Park, the country right? right now? Repeat the question, who's the, gra- <laughs> who's the greatest baseball player in baseball right now? Mike Trout. That is correct. There you go. Mike Trout is, is a very good answer. What is the worst food you ever heard of in a kid's baseball movie named Rookie of the Year by Chet Sedman? It's a very specific question. Go ahead. Uh, high stinky no, cheese? No, Salisbury steak. Come on. Jesus. Oh, yeah. um, okay, who's the best pitcher in all of baseball? Of all time. Uh, right. Of all yeah. time? You get three seconds. Three seconds. Randy Johnson. No, gross. It's Pedro Martinez. Okay, uh, real quick. Will the Cubs win the World Series? No, oh. is the answer. Name four better teams better than the Cubs in their division. The Iowa Cubs. Oh, boy. Um, the Tennessee Smokies. That's their double-A mm-hmm. team. Um, I think, are the Kane County Moving Cougars on. Still if the Cubs, Cubs were in the SEC, who would they be? Banner. Vanderbilt. Sorry. Uh, and last question. Who is going to be the... Oh, you know what? We're done. We're out of time. We're out of time. We're not wow. going to get the last one. How do we always Because the last one was out. It, it was inappropriate. We'll get to it next week. All right. You got, you got 69 points again. Right wow. on the dot. That's a, that's a pretty impressive feat that I keep coming I know. Uh, up to that number. Bra- <laughs> um, what do I have to do to get 200 points? Uh, I mean, probably just be better at answers. That's like the first thing I would probably circle. Um, okay. Well, that's... Oh, that's Phil Steele. kind of hurtful. <laughs> oh, was that hurtful, Connor? I mean, I think... That is really hurtful. I think I've been pretty good with my answers, um, but you got, you got one right. Um, You're averaging one correct answer a week. You're close. Okay. I will take yeah. it. We want to close on not that note, but the notes that you guys left, your five-star reviews. You guys have given us some fantastic five-star reviews. If you've never given us a five-star review, all the cool kids are doing it, so you yeah. should too. Even so, Tiffany, and she's like cool as crap now. She is totally cool. So we're going to start with, we got one from... Oh yeah, this is this is dating back to our office episode. Shout out to our office episode, which we weren't sure if you guys were going to like, and we're glad that so many of you have reached out to us. We had so much fun doing it. Listen to it like two or three times, yeah. just because. Um, yeah, that would make us really happy. So, uh, this is from. I'm sorry if I'm, I'm so excited your name. for you to pronounce this. <laughs> it's an Auburn Coley running back. Browning. It's an Auburn running back. Oh, Coley. Gosh. Coley Browning. Subject line: The office episode. Uh, Coley said, do not discredit the office episode of SDS. It is worth every second of your attention. So funny. Brady Hoke, all caps. I shared it with so many friends. Love this podcast. Hey, we love you, Coley. Well, Coley? love's a strong word because I don't know you, but I mean, okay. I'm very fond of you. I will say I was upset when I first read it. I was like, do not discredit. No, definitely credit. And then yes, lo and behold, you did. Thank you, Coley. I believe in love in seeing one one one's first five star review. Okay, I delivered that horribly. Another five star review. This is from CGH. Um, subject line: Finally, my wife and I are Gator alums. Said in my best Andy voice. Uh, I don't know if we did a good Andy, but I don't know if even Andy does the best Andy. So, uh, despite her UF fandom, I've never gotten her to listen to the pod. That's until the Office Edition. Now she's subscribing to the show and reading the articles. Thanks, SDS, for finally giving my wife a reason to listen. But most importantly, something new for us to do together. Great podcast for any fan of the SEC. Go Gators. Uh, Cav- Cavrine in Atlanta? Cavrine? I'm I don't sorry know what that means, but it. I will say I'm, you're welcome. Building bridges. Call us Brooks and Dunn because we're building bridges. It. Straight to your hearts. Ooh. Boom. Brooks and Dunn. Fantastic. My Maria. Another. That's a damn good Brooks and Dunn. That is my mom's favorite country song. Of all I just time. love when he says Loves Gypsy Lady. It's a great song. That's oh, so good. All right. Uh, this is from Too Slow, Really Slow. That's a great name. Uh, subject line, this show is my spirit animal. 
just found this podcast and I know this show was made for me when the second episode I listened to is about my two favorite things, SEC football and The Office. Love the show, guys. Can't wait to listen every week. Although, as an LSU fan, I feel LSU is the creed of the SEC. I will tell you right now, that's what my original vote was for. All right, fair enough. Um, All right, you got these last two. So, Gball423, this was actually sent to me in a DM on Instagram, and it's one of my favorite things ever, and I'm glad he posted this. (laughs) It was awesome. Not my idea of DMs. Anyway, um, the, the subject line is dope. This podcast is the assistant regional manager, while other sports podcasts are assistants to the regional manager. They recently stated Heavyweights was the best movie of the 90s. That that is correct, sir. False. It's the best movie of the 21st century. Coach Pruitt actually has Tennessee on the body system. Body system. (laughs) Wes Rucker's practice notes had a part in it stating that Kongbo was stated or was quoted as saying, I'm feeling skinny already, Jeremy. The Vols program needs a Tony Perkis in that program, and by God, they have it. God, G-A-W-D. Yes. Oh, yeah. Love show and stuff. <laughs> to be fair, that, that is... that, it says love show and stuff. Not just, oh, by the way, love show and stuff. I love that. God, that's my, that so might many, be my favorite one so of all time. Thank you, G-Ball423. Up next, oh, Vols fan CW with the uh, subject line, Vols fan CW. Great office office tribute episode. Tough to accept the Jan comparison. Her finding her way back up to the top at the end of the seasons possibly says something about our future, question mark? No. Yep. Michael Gary Scott is just way too unique a character for a team to be referenced to be... What? Dang it. For a team to be referenced to him. Other than that, I love the comparisons. Go Vols. And thank you very much, Vols fan CW, because that's what I kept saying. That was so hard to come up with. Yep. I agree with that. It was tough, but I think we came up with enough good reasons for Alabama, Michael. Yes. Uh, last one submitted by Taking a Jersh. I don't know if I was allowed All to right. say it. Uh, subject line: <laughs> The Office! Exclamation point. Those comparisons were spot on. Single best podcast episode in the history of podcasts. You heard it here first, guys. Whoa. I will say that Whoa. this. I, I I tend to. I'm I'm an odd bird. I'm a little bit out there. I've got a pretty messed up sense of humor. I was worried yes, how this do. was going to go. And sometimes I worry that, like, maybe our listeners, like, I'm going to cross a line. It'll be too weird. And that day will come. That day definitely will come. But that being said, this made me so happy. And I'm genuinely genuinely saying this to all of you, even you, Connor. It made me so happy to see how excited – the response was from these from these people and like how how of like similar and like in line their like their thought process was with ours it was it was really like one of those things that you never know how it's going to turn out and it turned out i think way better than either of us could have hoped for and not, not to keep patting ourselves on the back but it was more of just that's thanks to you the listener yeah. who also happens to watch the office it was awesome. and for participating in that we had so much fun with it we will always love it if you tweet office gifts at yeah. us we're gonna favorite that every or just single follow time me. Um, yeah even if it involves toby i'll still favorite it just wonderful stuff we might have to do like we might have to come up with another another show probably another show would be best but the office needs to stand on its right. own for a while we're gonna come up with some more ideas it's june it's the off season you guys are bearing with us we appreciate you guys listening to this hopefully you've had a laugh or two hopefully it's not too hot Hopefully you're not going to that guy's house who's got the really big hog because yeah. it takes up his entire it's yard and there's no room to there's no room to yeah that th- that sentence taken out of context would be really man really bad. talk about the hog days of summer ah oh, damn it Chris damn it. <laughs>
Yeah, I love how you circled back to calling yourself Chris. I'm going to call you Chris and say that for Chris and for Connor, we appreciate you guys. Leave us a five-star review, follow us on Twitter, all that stuff. And remember the one important thing, Chris. It just means, it might mean too much. Damn it, Chris. We got to go. One of these days you're going to Every time. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week.